0: We're continuing talking about the Olymotohu. What does it mean, the second verse of the Torah, that the the world was chaos and void. We've been talking about how the idea of Tohu is the idea of ethereal space or space of possibilities where events can come forth from uh, based on the deep set intention of Hashem placing um within the space from which creation comes from, all the possible outcomes of what might happen there. Uh, we're going to see, God willing, next time, Le- uh, Leshem, just quoting the Straight Midrash, where it's brought in mini-Midrashim that Hashem basically designed reality that inherent within the space of possibilities from which reality comes forth was all the events that are recounted in the Torah, in the Tanakh, um, the Midrash says there was a time that Adam was going to enter the garden and leave the garden. There was a time that Noah was going to enter the ark and leave the ark. There was a time for Yosef to be sold and a time for Yosef to be um, elevated to his to his kingship. This is brought, um, the Midrash is brought on the verse in Kohelet, HaKol Asayafa Bi'ito that Hashem makes everything beautiful in its time. Um, the Kol that there is a, t- a point in time and season for everything under heaven. And what this basically means, according to the Lashem and is that inherent in the very metaphysical space of reality are all the possibilities that would ever come out. Now, this doesn't mean to say that everything is fate and, and totally forced by God, but what it does mean is, to me, just as when you look at the growth of an organism, its basic growth pattern coming from its dna its seed structure and the environment by which it grows is pretty much determined the parameters of the, of that growth is pretty much determined by the environment in which it's growing so this is how the whole world is sort of evolving like a like a history is itself kind of growing like an organic structure in this way so we look at the ramban um on the beginning of the torah and we're going to move through his explanation um He's responding to Rashi's commentary on the first and second verses of the Torah. And he's going to say things which I'm going to try to tie together and show the depth of what the Ramban is really saying. So Bar Elohim, So the Ramban is saying that the Rashi said, That Rashi's famous commentary is that the Torah didn't necessarily have to start until the very first mit- uh, mitzvah that God gave the Jewish people, which is that you will be now... Um, setting the new months which I find that a little bit interesting and strange because what about say the mitzvah of circumcision which was given to Avraham this was a mitzvah so this is a whole limud in itself Uh one fascinating thing is that you know the fact that the Jewish people when they are first formed as the Jewish people they're given the mitzvah of counting the the new moon the Kabbalists say that it means hachidish hazeh Will be yours. That the renewal of creation in the in the aspect of the cycles of the moon and the renewing of creation will be given to the Jewish people. That now the 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 renewal of time and how time will be will be centered around the nation of Israel. But that's just something else. So Rashi says, quoting the midrash, why did the whole Torah have to start talking about? The creation and the, and the cosmology. Fascinating answer. If the nations will say, <laughs> that you guys are thieves, you've stolen this land, which is we st- how prophetic this Rashi, because that's like the headline news. Everybody's accusing Israel of stealing that land. <laughs> the whole world is God's. I.e., we're learning about the creation story to say God created the world. It's his world. It's his universe. He gives land, and he apportions land to those who are straight in his eyes. He apportions his special land of Israel to the ones that are straight in his eyes. He first gave that land to certain nations, and then when he wanted, he took that land away from those nations and gave it to Israel. What I'm already going to say is that the depth of this Rashi is what he's really saying is What's the connection between world events, global war and migration of nations in different lands entering and being kicked out of the land of Israel, for example, and cosmological creation of reality? Mm. It's telling you that the underpinnings of reality itself in the way and manner it was created is that the zone of creation. The very metaphysical underpinnings of creation is that historical processes are etched into it, yeah. and this Rashi brings that out in a cryptic way, as well as what the midrash says about the second verse of the Torah that the world was uh, chaos, void, dark over the depth. Those four issues, it says, that hints to the four exiles of of Babylon, Greece, uh, sorry, Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. What are you talking about these world empires when you're at the second verse of the Torah where the world is preformed? It's telling you that future historical events are mystically mm. contained in the, in the ethereal possibility right. realms of the underpinnings of creation. Just like this Rashi is saying. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> okay. No, sorry. He's saying, besides that, it's teaching you that Hashem set up the historical unfoldings of reality already within the the cosmological creation of the world. It's just also an extremely important basic Klal Gadol that a person believes that uh, Hashem created the world, that the world is not something prior to Hashem, that that Hashem created it. He precedes the world. The creation of the world is a very deep secret. It is not understood from the simple reading of the verse, says the Ramban. It is not. Don't think that the simple reading of the verse is, is inherently telling you what it's really saying. You will not really understand what these verses are saying unless you have a Kabbalah, unless you have a received tradition, unless you learn the deeper wisdoms of the Torah. Mm-hmm. And the ones who know it, they must hide it, right? It's actually a Mishnah in um, Chagiga that you are not allowed to, to darshan the, the workings of Bereshi. So I'm not trying to do that. I'm not trying to be over that Isser. But I am simply going to read the, what the Ramban is saying, because he did publish it for the masses. Does
1: that qualify as a passing on of his Kabbalah to us?
0: What we're trying to do is to... I What I would say is what we're trying to do is see the outlines and the contours of what he is saying. But to really be involved... I mean, I think one of the reasons why you can't really teach people the, the Maisei Bereshit is because you can use the Maisei Bereshit to do practical Kabbalah, to create right. things, which... Because they used to know how to do that stuff.
1: Or like safri Yetzirah kind of yes, stuff? Yes, yeah.
0: exactly. And yeah. you can buy Sefer Yetzirah in borders. Right. So nobody's going to know how to actually use it. Right. So what we're doing is appreciating some of the contours and outlines of it to get a deeper understanding of our world. As he said, to have a moon in Hashem. Because, again, we're just what we're doing is we're peering into the depth of that Rashi that he quoted and that Midrash that I just quoted. What is the connection between the creation of the world and the fact that world events were already etched into the fabric of creation, that's all we're doing. Okay, You do not know what the Torah is saying when it's talking about when Hashem made a garden in the Eden and He made a man and a woman and a snake. We don't know what that means from the simple reading of the verses. You don't. And that's why Rashi is saying, why are we putting this in the Torah? Like, these verses are really just codes for the initiated. That's really what Rashi is saying. All in a sense... Which is really wild because, of course, we're going to want the stories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob.
1: Right?
0: Why should we start historical. the Torah at the, right. the new month? But, right. but at least the Ramban is saying, for sure, Rashi is saying, who needs that in the Torah for the masses there should be these cryptic discussions of creation which make no sense and do not communicate their, meaning, their intended meaning unless to the initiated, really? Why should we have them? So one of the answers Rashi gives and the Ramban is picking up on is that it basically tells you just... By the way, we all need to know that Hashem created the world, that he is the master of it. By creating it, he he carved into its inherent nature that certain historical realities would unfold and that the world is not something that precedes God. So it needs to be in the Torah as like almost a way of serving like, hey, masses, just let's get clear. The Torah doesn't think that the world preceded God.
1: All of of the conflicts with Israel basically have all been foreseen as one example of of
0: how this framework, this blueprint's already been laid out. Yeah, time. for sure. And that gives, us, um, that gives us faith to handle whatever comes our way. Right. It could have just said, why don't we just take care of it? It also mentions creation later in the Ten Commandments. In the book of Exodus, that Shem created the world in six days and rested on the seventh. So, why do we need the whole creation story for, which makes no sense to 99.9% of any people? Let, Let the creation story be something written in the special books for those special people. And Rashi gives a reason why it's still included in the Torah for everyone. כי אתחילה אתור it's Telling you that the reason Hashem says, Ramban is explaining Rashi, and he's saying, the reason Hashem includes all these stories, which don't seem to be relevant to us man was made in a garden and kicked out, then there was this generation of a flood and they got destroyed, then there was this generation of the Tower of Babel and they were collecting in their valley and then they got dispersed, because it he wants to communicate to people the basic. Historical reality and basic facts that Hashem controls the world. That Hashem controls the migration of peoples, from the first man in his home, to all these other people who have to be—they have to be kicked out of their environments, their zones, when they're mis, when they're not interacting properly with their environment because their environment won't tolerate it because their environment is actually created with like a genetic code of tremendous wisdom that there will be a historical inevitability that when a certain nation will not right. connect properly to their right. zone, that, that they will be kicked out from right. their hence, zone.
1: Hence floods, droughts, all the, the spirit combat, the right. turning of the, or destru- destruction of Saddam, Hussein, all these different things.
0: Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, it's not to say, I mean...
1: But the way in the way that they happened, I mean, they, they even are described almost as natural disasters, you know, like almost every single thing has to do with it's not just, it's it's working within the the environment, as you said, that it's, this was created. Even the things that are miraculous, like the splitting of the sea, yeah. you know. And even today, you know, people try to they take it the opposite direction instead of seeing Hashem in that, they try to disprove it by showing how it, these things could happen naturally. And I know that there's been even on History Channel they've shown how all the plagues had some sort of you know natural occurring phenomenon to them. And instead of seeing how that is a proof for why Hashem is controlling that. They divorce it but i i think it's for me that would be a proof as well what
0: you're saying yeah definitely related i think some of the miracles the torah mentions were maybe more obviously miracles but point taken about the natural disasters i mean it's hard to we can't sit here and wag our finger at somebody who suffered a national natural disaster but there's something to that um okay Tifsu lahem a a Yavo, Goyacher, Laresh artso. Kikainu, Mishpat Arts Maolam. The Hoshkin Kanan, Levin, Olam, Makoma, about Yoshua, As it says, lahem that basically it says that the, 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 the verses express that the land will vomit out. the land itself will eject out the nation that no longer is, is behaving appropriately in that environment because it's within this within the very space that's creating experience, at a certain point it will create the experience of ejecting that nation. If they're no longer connected to their land, it says in the Midrash that the reason that the Torah is discussing the cosmological underpinnings of creation is to teach the world. And the Ramban doesn't say it, but the Siddiquians say Koach means the power of his actions, but Koach is kuf also means potential and it is numerical value of 28 and that there are 28 letters in the first verse of the Torah to teach you that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth Mm -hmm. that with these 28 letters it's brought he created all in koach all in potential that the Torah is basically telling you when God created the, the universe he created all history and potential and so that the, the the very cosmological underpinnings of reality itself are set up such that based on the free will choices of human beings, there will be a consequence based on the potential consequence inherent in the very stuff of creation. All right, <clears throat> where is it? But in other words, what, what he's bringing out is that the real deep secret of the cosmos, of the cosmos, according to the Torah, is that it's a construction of, of a historical process. Of all potential historical events were in, in a deep mystical way are embedded in the very fabric of reality that is really what the story of cosmological creation is coming to tell you. Okay, I'm going to skip some of this. Yeah. Okay, so we're skipping down a little bit and finishing up this Ramban Bezerdashen. Okay, so the Ramban says as follows: Vatashma Shma Perisham Mikra Al Peshuto. Come, listen to now to what this these verses are saying in their simple meaning. That the world was chaos and void and empty, with darkness on the depth, and then God said, "Let there be light." What's going on in these verses? Nachonu Okay. Hashem created all creations from absolute nothingness. From absolute nothingness, and we do not have in the holy language the idea of bringing out something from nothing, except for the word bara, create. And no, no no action no actual unfolding of a particularity underneath the heavens or or above Come, ever again comes hove min ayin. nothing ever again comes from absolute nothingness hmm. rishona aval hoti mina efes agamor. what happened he brought out from absolute nothingness absolute Yisod a very fine foundation a very fine element some people in English call it ether. Ein bo mamish. There's nothing, so to speak, in it. Avalhu koach mamsi, but it is a power of drawing things forth. Muhan l'kabel It is prepared to receive upon itself all forms. Well, mina and to bring all forms from potential. Right? There's that koach, the potential, into actual this is called the first material Nikra It is called to the Greeks Huli, to in English it's ether. And after he created that Huli, after he created that ether, that tohu, he didn't create anything else. he only formed and and congealed out of that ether, out of that Hulid, out of that tohu everything else that would come forth. Because from that ether, everything comes forth. And he causes the, the, he takes the pure forms from his essential commands and he dresses them up in that ether and out they come, out out the other side. So he has this great, uh, ethereal pool of possible experiences. Is it
1: the yeah,
0: and, and then he and then he gives them a tikkun. He gives them a, a mm. final. A tikkun has some uh, connotation of like fixing it up entirely, right, the like man right. or b- the manifesting it
1: really. Right, right, right. The completion of what it was originally meant to do.
0: Yeah. So inside of this ether, inside this ethereal pool of possibilities, where all historical events are there in potential, those historical events. Hashem causes them to come out and get in, and enclothes His light in that ether and causes things to come out from this ether.
1: Yeah, it sounds like the process that a, a Tzaddik Gomer um, goes through with his Yitzhara. I mean, it's like you said, from nothing. Like, there's the only... I mean, it's bara, to me, it's what it sounds like. It's almost like we're they're showing the same example between taking, transforming what's... this desire that's coming from the drive that your Yitzhara has and then bring it to its tikkun and seems like it's a void, it's nothing, right? It's dead, but then you're bringing it to its actual life and making it like your or Tov.
0: Well, you're intuiting something deep, which is basically it's brought the Siddiqui bring that the realm of the, of the space of the evil inclination, which is something I want to explore, God willing, maybe a little later on, is the realm of what's called the mazikin, the, 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 the damaging forces, something called demons. It's the place where our sins, it says, so the, the Petach rovates that sin is crouching at the opening. At the opening of where reality can manifest into what it could be. A person is basically supposed to, it says, you should serve Hashem with your two inclinations. Mm -hmm. So within this ethereal space, the default is that a person is going to sin. But the tikkun is that you can, from the space of possibilities, manifest yourself doing the right thing rather than the wrong thing. So you're intuiting something very true, um, based on what I understand. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. And understand, and know, that the heavens and all that is within them, it is one substance, one, one type of ether. The And the land and all that is in it, it is another basic material ether. So you have two interacting ethers, the heavenly ether and the earthly ether. The the heavenly Tohu and the earthly Tohu. Mm -hmm. Hashem really created two ethereal zones. Heavenly Ether and earthly Ether. That's what it means in the beginning, Hashem created the heavens and the earth. It really means that He created two ethereal spaces with all heavenly possibilities contained in the heavenly Ether and all earthly possibilities contained in the earthly Ether. And then what happens? those were the only two things that were actually created those were the only two things that were taken out of complete nothingness and everything else from then on is just created by them interweaving together beautiful right mm. Very, very beautiful. I love this Ramban. The Hiuli, and this matter which people call hiyuli, high material, ether. Tohu nikar Balashan Kodesh Tohu. In Hebrew, it's called Tohu. The so Hamila It comes from the Gemara in Kedushin in Men Beit that it's talking about a person Chas It's called He's Tohe Rishonot. He is confounded by the first ones. That it means that a, the only way that a person can lose his mitzvot is if he regrets doing them, is if he wishes that he never manifested them. So on the one hand, a really wicked guy can do tshuva at the end of his life and wish that he never manifested all those sins. And if he truly, truly, sincerely wishes, he never did it. And he wasn't using tshuva as an excuse to sin. He wasn't saying, oh, I'll just right, do tshuva. Right. He, he was a bad, that guy, and then he, he saw the light, and he really, really wished. He never manifested things that way. All that is erased. Now you have to do some serious tshuva. On the other hand, unfortunately, a person can be righteous his whole life, and he can be tohei al rishon, and at the end, he can regret all those good actions he did, and it can be as if he never manifested them. Hmm. But anyway, that's just a side point. Because the Ramban says if you're going to call this ethereal space, this, this tohu something, you're going to get confused and want to call it something else. The word means confusion. And the, the Arizal basically says in the Itzheim, it, the word tohu, which is the Hebrew word for ether, means that a person is so confounded that they see, they intuit that from this ethereal space, all existence is there, yet at the same time they intuit that there's absolutely nothing there. Right. It has not taken on any form, yet is the space of all possible existence. Right. <clears throat> like if we, To us, our genetic code is like tohu. Like you're telling me that my whole body system is contained in these in this DNA miles of it. Yeah, that's right. amazing. But it's what is it? It's basically just information in empty space right. to us compared to our body. So this is what Tahu is. All right, kiloav pashba Hashem kolal, because it, it does not get dressed up in any forms yet. That it should actually be able to be named. Yeah, it, it is not dressed up in any form that you can then. Call to it. Oh, this is what it is. It's it's the it's the philosophical and and truly metaphysically real cosmologically real concept of an ethereal space that is like the genetic code of any existence where all experiences are there. Yet before it's before they are preformed when they're when they are still yet pre-formed and haven't get, gotten their formation, you're like, wow, this is a deep abyss of everything, but there's nothing there yet. It's it's very amazing. Mm-hmm. And then the, the, the form that gets, that enters into this ether and then, uh, 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 an item congeals and conglomerates and gets into a form coming out of that, that's the next word in the Torah called bohu. So it says, haita tohu that the land was tohu and then bohu. That the land, meaning all the land, meaning all, of, all not just the earth, but the whole universe and, and its coming forth initially begins in tohu, and then it starts coming out and being stuff called bohu. Hmm. Okay. <clears> okay. <throat> U'Amila Merkavs Kolomar Bohu Bohu means it's a, it's a compound word of it is in it Bohu it is in it like, now there's something in that Tohu. Now there's been content brought forth from that Tohu. Okay, that's what the verse says. I'm skipping a little bit. In Yeshayahu chapter 34, verse 11. That he stretches forth the line of Tohu and then the stones of Bohu. This makes my hair stand up on my, on my arms. Like, this gives me goosebumps. Like, this is just because, kihu akav, What does it mean that the world of Tohu is like a line? It means, kihu kakav asher ha-uman shikave l'asot. That the world of Tohu is like the lines that a builder, when he's making his blueprint, essentially, has written down the thoughts of what he'd like to build and what he hopes to build. So it's called a Kav. Tohu. And the Rebbeinah Bechayi draws this out anymore of So a kav means a line. All right? So what do you do when you're drawing the lines on a blueprint? You're drawing... Kav also comes from the etymology of hope. You're drawing what you hope to build. Right? So the world of the ethereal tohu is the world of the blueprint. It's like a pure blueprint. So a blueprint, a conceptual blueprint, compared to an actually built building, is totally an ethereal space. It's an ethereal mental space. Right? There is lines of all that you would like to build in your mental map. You might draw it on a, on a computer screen or a piece of paper, but essentially it's an ethereal conceptual realm compared to the building that actually comes out. This is what Hashem first made when He made the universe and it was Tohu. He created the two blueprints. He created the blueprint of heaven and the blueprint of earth. These were called ethereal Tohu realms, ethereal Heilic realms, like two blueprints interacting with each other. And it, why is it a blueprint? Because it's the, it's the lines of the, of the pathways that reality would take when they manifested and congealed that Hashem hoped and knew that they would take.
1: Is this Kav differently spelled than like when, when it's for the root for a Macabin? Is that like when you're Macabin something?
0: Yeah, a little bit different. That's with a Khaf rather than a Kuf. Okay. 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 So we'll just do a little bit more. So that's just a very, very beautiful point, that this is therefore describing that the the space of the Olamatou is an ethereal space, yet has all possibilities. It's like the blueprint created by lines, the lines of future pathways of unfolding manifestation that the master builder Hashem hoped for and knew would come out as He was the architect of creation. Okay. And then it's called Stones of Bohu because the stones by Hashem by Hashem, Hashem is an amazing architect, the very blueprints that he creates in ether, from those blueprints, the stones manifest out of. When a human being makes a blueprint about in, in his ethereal conceptual space of what he'd like to build, he is doing so. He, the, the stones aren't coming out of the blueprint itself. By Hashem, the stones, the manifestations, the, the, the congealments and conglomerations of reality are literally all the time coming out of the blueprint itself, right. which is fascinating. So that's Tohu Vavohu. Okay. V'amar Elohim Balakoko all
1: right.
0: you're on paragraph four now. Paragraph four, okay. The Amr, Elo- the Amr elohim. It says bara elohim at the It's in the beginning. Elohim created. Why that name of God? the the master of all the powers. Ki el Because Elohim is a is a name of God that's a compound of Kale, which means power. V'mila It's a compound word. He is the power of all the other powers. Okay. All right, so let's just go down now to the fifth paragraph. Umilat 8 what does it mean Hashem created it means the essence of the thing that would the rabbis say what does it mean these extra eights is to include the sun and the stars and the and the, and the moon and eight is to include all the trees and the grasses in the Garden of Eden to say that when it says Barashid Bar Eta Shemani, the Eta Aret, so we said heavens was really heavenly ether, earth was earthly ether, and the eighth and the eighth, the Al represents all the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. It represents all the heavenly things that would later uh, congeal out of that ether, all programmed in that ether. Yeah, and I all heard- the earthly things that would ever come out of the ether, all programmed in the
1: earthly ether. I heard that even. If you like get real, like technical about it you could even say that like eight in itself is the first thing that was like before you had yeah mitzvara, it. it's like, yeah. literally like you created it yeah and then through it then everything else is right
0: right so in the beginning hashem created the entire hebrew alphabet right. what yeah. that really oh, means yeah. is he's he's coding the, he, the hebrew alphabet the lines of the code right. that are going to govern these two ethereal spaces that they would create all that would come mm-hmm. out from them very good Okay there okay after the first verse says that in one statement Hashem created all the heavens and all the earth and all that they would ever contain all that would ever come out in history programmed into heavenly ether and into earthly ether, just waiting for those two ethereal spaces to interact and congeal and conglomerate all elements from from those two programmed conceptual spaces. It then goes back, that the, and then it says in the first, the second verse, that the land, that the ethereal land, the lower ether, the ether that's actually going to manifest ultimately worlds of separation rather than heavenly realities, that it was in a state of Tohu, Cholomer. bo It was a, it was an ethereal state that had nothing there. Ha'i, kihilbish o And then it became Bohu, it started to, to manifest stones. Items, realities, were literally starting to manifest and congeal out of the blueprint of the land, of the land ether.
1: Explain again, <coughs> why stone? Why do you use stones?
0: Stones is just the most um, basic way of describing a something, like, okay. like a congealment, like a building block of yeah, reality. Right. Okay, when it says darkness... Darkness is actually the ethereal element of fire. Choshech. Because really, ethereal fire, not a campfire that's bright and white and yellow, but ethereal fire is black. Yeah. Because we've been describing how the, really the four ethereal elements are not the campfire that you see and not the fire that you see. They're pure ethereal elements. You've never seen pure fire.
1: I mean, I've heard something that in a scientific way. It's almost like this, that every color when you see a color where you're actually of everything but that color like it's that color is really in reality every other ref- color reflecting except for that one color and for some reason your brain picks it up as the one color that's missing
0: yeah so that, that's a fair uh, there's a fair way to connect that because really the Bomb says it in his Mishnah Torah, like everything, even fire that you see is not fire; mm-hmm. it's a, it's some ratio of a mixture of all the four ethereal elements. So it's very heavy on the fire element, but there's even some water element in the fire, right. and everything's like the yeah. So you've never seen pure fire, right? So that's what darkness means in that second verse,
1: which I guess could explain why one fire was able to take out the other. And for Abraham, when he was when one of the, the fires was what is it the the angel was almost meant told to act against its own nature in a sense by putting out the other fire and it was the malachim of, of fire. Yeah, the,
0: and basically B'lashem explains that the abyss and the other items are talking about the four ethereal elements. Tohomot is the water ethereal element, the depths, um, the ruach halakim, the spirit is the, is the ethereal element of air and um, uh, yeah, and so we'll stop there, B'ruch and so again, what we see from this whole discussion is how old history is contained in the encoding in the two ethereal heavens and earth. The, ethereal, the two ethereal zones where all unfoldings were encoded. So that this is now, therefore, explaining what the Ramban is saying about these Rashi's, that the reason why we learn what is otherwise inaccessible, cryptic descriptions of the metaphysical underpinnings of reality is to just basically appreciate that all historical unfoldings were already encoded into the two primal ethers of ethereal spaces of heaven and earth and that we should have faith that there's a tremendous wisdom not only so to speak coming from above but encoded into the very fabric of reality itself